today it is back to school Sunday and particularly for those parents that are sending their children back to school whether they already have done or whether you're about to I think some of you might be feeling a possible sense of relief I think if you're homeschooling then there's probably a sense of anticipation overwhelmness I don't know but I feel for you um, you know, for some, it will be a sigh of relief. For others, it will be a feeling of the time's gone too quickly. Um, you know, for many of our children right now, they're feeling a mixture of nervousness, excitement, uncertainty. Those that love school, those that hate school, those that aren't sure about their new teacher. Uh, we've had it all in our house in the space of one week, the highs and the lows. And then there's the staff. You know, early mornings late nights working. I have to say, lots of people in this room who aren't teachers, I've heard the jokes. Oh, the lovely long holidays. Oh, all the breaks that you get. But I'm just going to say this morning, roles have changed in teaching. And there is no other job where in the first hour of your day, you have already been a social worker, an administrator, a pastor, a hairdresser, a receptionist, a nurse, a toilet cleaner, a kitchen assistant, a security guard, a negotiator, an entertainer, a singer, an actor. Oh, and then you teach your lessons. So if you're wondering, how can all these teachers be complaining? Or even just maybe a little bit sad about going back to work. Those are the reasons why. And we do really need to pray for our teachers, for our staff, and all they carry and the opportunities they have to be the light of Jesus in their schools and in their classrooms. So please do remember them all in your prayers. And um, just before I get into the word this morning, I just want to say a personal thank you uh, from myself and Gareth for your prayers. We really have felt carried by your prayers. And without having to get up on the stage for the whole of August has really just helped us to process, to let some emotions out at times. Um, whilst still being busy and working through the week, um, we've just really, really thanked God for that and the time to rest and reflect and plan ahead and look forward to what God has got for us as a church, um, but not just as a, us as a church, as a community, but also personally for us as individuals, for our families. And we're really believing we're going to hear stories of breakthrough. I can stand here today full of faith and I can stand here today full of the confident hope that we have in Jesus. That's in our own situation, that's in our own circumstance, but also believing that for you and for what you're carrying today, for your families, for your situations, and for your circumstances. You know, Gareth and I pray for you every day. We make a point every day of stopping and praying for each and every one of you. For those that are carrying specific things today that we're aware of, and that as a pastoral team and a leadership team we're aware of, we are praying for you. For those that haven't maybe shared everything or want to keep things private to yourselves, we're praying for you too, because I can guarantee that every single person in this room will have something or someone that is on their hearts. And as a church family, we are called to pray. We are called to come together and pray. We're called to pray at home individually, and we're called to carry each other in prayer. So we have certainly felt that, and we just thank you um, for that over this past summer period. So for all of us this morning, how do we slow down when life speeds up again? Do you feel already that you're getting into September with maybe too much to do already and not enough time to do it? Anyone? 
Or maybe it's just me. Um, <laughs> maybe that to-do list is just getting longer by the day. As we start to approach a new season, particularly in September, it feels like suddenly the diary is filling up. There's extra things to juggle, wondering how we're going to do it all. And uh, over the course of the past couple of weeks, I've really, really felt as God's just been speaking to me gently and quietly in my times that I've had with him. And over the past few months, just reminding me and impressing me on me again these verses that we find in Matthew. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30 says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, even just reading those verses, it's like a breath of fresh air. I just want to like take a big, deep breath in. Big, deep breath out. <sighs> Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Very often after summer period, we're probably thinking, well, you've had a rest, you've had a holiday, you've taken time, you've done this, this, and this. But isn't it so easy when life suddenly gets busier again that we start getting a bit anxious and we start getting a bit so busy that we can't sit down for five minutes? But I want to just challenge us with a question this morning. How do we cultivate a rhythm of rest and reflection at the start of this new season, at the start of this new term, at the start of everything starting up again? And to do that, I want to take us right the way back to Genesis. And I'm going to read some verses from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. You'll be familiar with this. It's the very beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. It says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Then, as you read on through the passage, day two, day three, day four, day five, God created, he saw that it was good, there was evening, and there was morning. Then, Genesis 1, verse 27 and 31. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God saw that all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Hang on a minute. I don't know about you, but when I read that afresh, I thought they'd got it wrong. The person that wrote this passage, what were they trying to get across? Because to us, in our present day, it's backwards. Surely the day starts with work. We wake up in the morning, we go to work. Then we move on to rest. When our work is done, we rest. When we've done enough, we rest. That's, generally speaking, our rhythm of life, isn't it? We wake up in the morning, we start our day, we get really busy, we go to work, we do what we need to do, and then we rest. When you read this in the context of the person writing it, who was Moses, 
And when you think about the Jewish pattern of rest, I think we've really missed something sometimes. The Jewish day starts with rest in the evening. So the day starts with eating with your family, talking, sleeping, and then you go to work. Work is the second part of your day. And I dug a bit deeper and thought, but why was Moses recording that in Genesis? And what impact was that having on the Israelites at the time? You see, God was trying to send a really clear message to his people. As we know, the Israelites, they were wandering through the desert before entering the promised land. God delivered them from slavery. And what were they doing in their slavery in Egypt? They were building Every single day, they were making bricks. Now, before I get too deeply into this, is there anybody that is a brick merchant, brick layer? Anyone? Oh, yeah, I'll come back to you in a minute. Anyone that is, uh, works on a building site or has worked on a building site? Okay, so if you can imagine, this would have been probably a million times worse than what people experience today that are in that trade. Literally, every single day, every every Israelite had to make bricks. And you weren't measured on anything else other than how many bricks you made. So day in, day out, seven days a week, sun up to sundown, they made bricks. You know, if you're finding you're moaning about your job, just think about that for a minute. In the heat of the sun with very little food and water, every single day, brick, and another brick, and another brick, and another brick. Their value was based on how many bricks they had stacked at the end of the day. If they didn't make enough bricks, or no bricks at all, they had no value at all in the eyes of the Egyptians. In fact, they probably would have been punished really badly. The only question the Egyptians would have cared about is how many bricks did you make? And what is God saying to his people? As Moses writes this about evening to morning, what is he saying? He's saying, I'm not like that. There's a better way to live. Your day doesn't start with work, Israelites. Your day doesn't start with all these bricks you've got to make. Your day starts with rest. The evening, then into the morning. Why does God want to announce that and kind of emphasize that to them? Because to rest and to trust in who God is and what he has done is the best kind of rest that we can experience this morning. Not in how many bricks we make or things we have done, but starting from a place of reflection and thanksgiving and praise to God for who he is. When we're talking about rest, we're not just talking about having a rest, putting our feet up, having a nap. It's not an anti-work message this morning. We have to go to work. But God wants us to rest in him. You know, aren't you glad this morning that we've gone past the time and the days of being measured by how many bricks you make? You know, it would be a bit like this. You said you're a brick, a brick maker. Yeah, so hi. Hi, um, how are you today? And what have you been doing today? Well, I've been uh, stacking bricks. Oh, um, so where do you stack bricks? Cross pending, got, got a rope cross pending, Penavan Industrial Estate. Go up, you've got to be careful, there's a roundabout, crazy drivers. Go up a bit, on the right hand side, there's a, a brick factory there. Okay, and, and what does everyone do there? St- stack bricks. 
Okay, what's your favourite thing to do in a day? Stacking bricks. Okay. And, um, you know, what do you, what do you enjoy the most? How many bricks do you make in a day? Well, probably on a good day, 150 to 200. Yeah, lots. Quite a few, yeah, lots, yeah. And, and what's your purpose in life? Stacking bricks. Um, and who inspires you to stack bricks? Oh, Jeff. What's good about Jeff? He's the best at stacking bricks, and I want to be like him. Thanks. So, uh, you know, it's not a great way to live, is it? <laughs> that conversation, all it was was about stacking bricks, wasn't it? How many bricks do you stack? What do you like to do? Stack bricks. But here's the problem this morning. We do it to ourselves. Some of us are our own pharaohs. Our value becomes based on what we cross off on our to-do list. Maybe we've got a goals or a wish list that we have. Sometimes a promotion, a house, latest technology, the greatest achievements become our focus and the only thing we talk about. We might not be talking about bricks, but just listen to yourself for a few moments in each day and think about what is the first thing that you talk about or think about? Is it thinking about what God has done for you and his faithfulness and goodness? Or is it the to-do list? Or is it that thing that you've recently experienced or something that's happened? Could be a good thing. But what do we really focus on? Because you'll be glad to know this morning that God doesn't place our value on how tidy our house is, how much we've achieved, how many bricks we've stacked. All of that will eventually fade away. But this morning, I just want to get across to you today, whoever you are, whatever your background is, whatever you do day by day, your value is not defined on anything that you can do, but our value is totally defined on what God has done for us, what he has accomplished for us by sending Jesus to die for us. He has saved our sins. He has set us free. There is nothing that you can do this morning, nothing that you can accomplish, nothing that we can earn, nothing that we can achieve to gain favor from God this morning because he has already won the victory. He has already paid the price for your sin and for my sin. He already has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you have asked him to become your Lord and Savior, if you asked him into your life this morning, he is already preparing a place for you in heaven. I think we can get a bit more excited about that church this morning. He has done it. And some of you are still looking at me like it's fresh news. But you've been sitting and you've heard the words. You've sung the songs this morning. God has already done it. There's nothing you can do. There is nothing that any of us can do to gain God's favor. Because he's already accomplished the victory. He has already paved the way for us through Jesus Christ. And what is he looking for this morning? God is looking for a heart that is open to receiving his love. Even if you don't know much about God, even if you've never hardly read the Bible, if your heart is open to say, God, would you fill me with your love? I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. I recognize that you died for me. I recognize that you took away all of my sin, all of my shame, all of the things that I've done wrong. 
And if you say this morning, God, would you come and be part of my life? Would you fill me with your love? God will come and he will be with you through the power of his Holy Spirit. All we have to have is an open heart to receive his love. Hands that are ready to share his love. You might think, how can your hands share his love? You know, every time we meet someone, whether it's our hands or our words, that we speak of God's love, that we show his love through acts of kindness and generosity, that because of some of those actions, it triggers a conversation with someone who says, oh, why would you do this for me? Why would you spend time and make me a meal? Why would you have a cup of coffee with me? Why would you give me that bag of clothes from the baby bank? Or why would you even just sit and talk to me? Because I've got a message I want to share with you. I've got a story to tell you. And it's one of a Jesus who loves me completely and he loves you too. He's looking for feet that are ready to walk the journey wherever he calls Trusting him to guide us and lead us. You know, rest isn't a passive thing. It's not a have a nap kind of rest. If you're having a nap this morning, time to wake up. Um, I can see a few eyes drooping already today. It's a rest in knowing that God has done enough. You know, because we know what God has done for us, we can also know that what God is going to do will be accomplished according to his will and his plans and purposes for our lives, for our family, for our church, and for our community. We don't have to strive for it because God already has the bigger picture, but we have to lean into him and say, God, would you help me through this moment? Would you help me through this day? Would you help me through my week? We have so many opportunities in this church to support each other in this, whether that's coming and being part of our prayer meetings, our Bible studies, Revive 242, being part of house groups, that sense of saying, come on, let's cheer each other on in this. I recently read this quote from Tim Doremus, who's in Life Church in America, and he says this, God's has done list is more important than my to-do list. You know, if you're someone who goes straight for your to-do list every day and you're like, I need to tick all these things off, can I just challenge you? Have two lists on the go. I totally need to do this because I'll forget everything. So I am totally in this bracket. Have your to-do list, but before you pick that up, every day, write down something that God has done for you. Could be something really simple, but make your God has done list longer than your to-do list. And make that the first thing that you go to before your other list. Because so often, I know that on a busy day, I am more likely to grab the to-do list. And the God has done list can sometimes be something that I'm like, I've got to get back to that. But may that always be the first place that we go. He's created you. He saved you. He healed you. He's adopted you. He's comforted you. He's called you. He's gifted you. He goes before you. And he is with you. There's 10 things there straight away. God has done that for you. So let's be people, as we start this new season, to say, I'm going to go to my God has done list before I go to my to-do list. How do we reflect on what he has done? It's the basics again, but we all need reminding of them, don't we? First of all, by reading his word. Reminding ourselves of the promises of God 
that are for each and every one of us. Talking and sharing with others about what he has done. Coming to him and just saying, thank you, Jesus. In our times of prayer, in our times of devotion with him. Stopping and taking those moments, first of all, before we get to our prayer list even. Saying, God, thank you for what you have done for me. Rest in the goodness of God and what he has done. In a practical sense, this might look different to everyone in this room. For some, to get you to that place, it might be a worship song. Some of you, reading God's word and opening that up, um, first thing in the morning might be what, what you need to do. For others, it might mean you want to get together with some other people over a meal and just start sharing encouragement and words of testimony about what God has done. For some, it might be a walk outdoors. Others, it might actually just be sleeping and resting in God. All of these moments provide opportunities for us to reflect on what God has done. They give us moments of refreshment to get us through the next season, the next day, the next moment. One of the things that in the past year I've been doing is my ministry training. I started it just before Lily was born, took a little break in the middle, and then back to uh, complete the first year. And one of the things that we talked a lot about was rhythms for reflection, rhythms for rest. And as leaders, we're probably the worst for it because it's one of the hardest things to do at times. But within the, um, this time, I've really, really come to realize, I guess, what uh, Moses was trying to say for the Israelites is just as important uh, for us today. And I just want to encourage you, from what I've been encouraged by, just to include rest in your daily rhythms, that evening to morning. Change your perspective a bit on your day. If work is really tough at the moment, and you're just thinking, oh, just to get up for work just seems like the last thing I want to do. Make a point of starting your day from the moment you have your meal the evening before. Spending dinner, talking with your family, things of substance, sharing your day, sharing what God has done, reflecting on the message after a Sunday when you go home for Sunday lunch. Can I just put a little uh, thing on there? Just don't eat the preacher. Talk about the word, but forget about all the other things that they said that you didn't like, because... If we're going to be healthy, grabbing church, our words matter. You might be saying them around your dinner table, but they affect the very essence of what we bring into church life. Reading the Bible, guided prayer, walking the dog, three minutes before you get out of bed, spending moments in prayer and committing your day to him. The second part of this is your weekly rhythm. And this is what we're trying to say with the Israelites and, and the Jewish kind of uh, um, habits and the culture of the day. Was that seventh day, Genesis 2, verse 2, what did God do? He rested. He had a rest. It's okay to have a rest. He had a rest and he committed time to rest. Having a Sabbath day. Gareth and I have had to really like rephrase this in our home. So we actually started last year, partly because I came back from my training and was like, we need to look at this again as a family. So now on a Friday night, from the moment we have dinner, right the way through till about 7 p.m. on a Saturday, that's our rest time. That's our time as a family, 
software. We don't. We try not to send any emails or look at anything work-related. Um, we just try and rest, spend time with our girls, speak into their lives, go out and do something outdoors on a Saturday, and we take that time. We know on a Saturday night is the worst time for us. We're gearing up for a Sunday morning, so we can't rest on a Saturday night, generally speaking. Um, but we're doing our very best to put in that habit of Sabbath. You know, traditionally, Sunday was a day of rest. Culture and society has changed. And what I would encourage you to do is work out for you, what is your Sabbath? But one day a week, say I'm going to commit a day, whether it's from an evening to an evening, whether it's a whole day, to say I'm going to rest and I'm going to stop. And within that day, I'm also going to dedicate time to praying, to reading my Bible, to stopping, to spending some time reflecting together about what God has done. God has done list rather than my to-do list. And then there's seasonal rhythms that we have as well. Anniversary celebrations, holidays with family, retreats, camps, special events, at seasonal points throughout the year. And all those things are good because they refresh us. They're things that very often we look forward to. And uh, I just encourage you just to go back and look at your diary and highlight the times you're actually resting. And firstly, if there's not a day in total when you're resting, then just encourage you to maybe readdress that. <laughs> and for others, it might be actually, how am I spiritually feeding myself? Look at your diary and go, are there any bits when I'm like spending time praying or meeting with other Christians? Or is my whole week spent on all the other stuff? Because it's so easy to get so busy and so caught up with that. I want to go back to the passage in Matthew to finish this morning. And it says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, in this passage in Matthew, is issuing a call to everyone, everyone who's weary, tired, burdened, loaded down to come to him. And in a loving, gentle and humble way, Jesus is challenging us to live a different way. Jesus says to yoke ourselves with him by placing ourselves under his yoke and learning from him, we'll find rest from our burdens. Now, just a little thing. If you're reading that and thinking, what is a yoke? It's not just the middle of a, an egg. And in this situation, it definitely isn't the middle of an egg. But if you look at this picture, um, hopefully it'll come up. There you go. So the purpose of a yoke is to harness a pair of animals so that they can drag a load together as efficiently as possible. And it was used especially for oxen plowing the soil. It's made by a beam carved from a single piece of wood that's fitted to a particular ox's shoulders, maximizing comfort and pulling force. How it works, the beam rests in front of the shoulder hump, distributing the weight and enabling natural and comfortable movement. Frederick Dale Bruner says this, a yoke is a work instrument. Thus, when Jesus offers a yoke, he offers what we might think tired workers need the least. Surely they need a mattress or a holiday, not a yoke. But Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear responsibilities. 
realism sees that life is a succession of burdens. We can't get away from them. So instead of offering escape, what does Jesus offer? He offers us new equipment. Jesus means that through obeying his word and in the context of Matthew, responding to his Sermon on the Mount, where he describes his yoke, we'll develop a balanced way of living life again. A life that will give more rest than the way that we have been living. What is Jesus saying that is easy and light? Life with him through faith, trusting in the salvation and freedom that we find in Jesus Christ. That is what brings us life this morning. That is what gives us hope and peace. Jesus' yoke is designed to carry your burdens. You don't have to shoulder the weight this morning. The weight of your circumstances, the weight of your responsibilities, the weight of your situations. Give it to Jesus. Allow his yoke to take the strain because his yoke is easy and it is light. Jesus' yoke is intended to help to get the work done. Ultimate pulling force, I think it said in the, uh, in the breakdown there. Ultimate pulling force. It's there for work to get done. And with Jesus' yoke, we can move forward into the work that he has called us to. One last thing. If you go back to the picture, Richard, you might have noticed something. A yoke is to harness a pair of animals. Jesus is the yoke, but there's two there. You know, we were never meant to do life on our own. We were never meant to move forward on our own. You often never see, you never see a picture like this with one, because it just wouldn't work, would it? And I know for myself and Gareth in our pre-married, unmarried life, if we went into ministry, we just both knew we can't do this on our own. And we've had to stand shoulder by shoulder with the yoke of Jesus between us going, we're going to push through this together. And there's been times when we've had to, I don't know how to phrase this, get another oxen uh, to come alongside or to uh, stand in the gap while one of us is needed just to have a rest or to have some time or to raise the little calves. And I'm thankful to God that there are people in our lives that do that for us. But can I challenge you this morning? Who are you partnered with? Who are you aligning yourself with? Who's coming alongside you? As a church family, look around. Who is there that you could go and say, I'm going to stand shoulder to shoulder with you. We're going to push through this together. Because when we do that with the yoke of Jesus upon us, his burden is easy and light. We can learn so much together than we can on our own. Luke 10, verse 1 to 4, Jesus sends out the 70 in pairs to every city and place to do what? To prepare the way of the Lord. And I'm looking around this room, there's more than 70 people here. I wonder what it would look like if we said, we send out in pairs. Go out to your neighborhoods, to your streets, to your communities. You're not on your own doing this, but shoulder by shoulder, we're going to go out to do what? To prepare the way of the Lord. 
to be people that are going to say, my heart is open, my hands are ready, my feet will go where you want me to go, God. I'm just going to ask the band to come back up. And as we finish this time together this morning, we're going to spend a few moments just responding and reflecting on what I've shared this morning. A bit of a funny message at the start of a new season where, you know, you're kind of thinking, oh, she's going to wind us all up and send us out with a bang. What I actually want you to do this morning is not to go back home and have a nap, but just go home and think, what are my daily rhythms really like? In what areas of your life right now do you feel like you could use some rest? Reflect on the things that God has already done for you. Practically, what would it look like to focus more on the goodness of God and what he's done in order to find rest and start fresh at the beginning of this new season? For some of us, what does taking the yoke of Jesus upon us look like? Where maybe we've strived and carried burdens on our own before. Is it that you need to get alongside someone this week and say, do you know what, I'm really struggling with this. Will you, sh- will you come and be shoulder to shoulder with me? And with the yoke of Jesus, we can push through this together. If you know somebody who maybe is on their own, or maybe is really struggling, why don't you be the person to say, hey, can I come alongside you? I just want to be that encouragement. I want to journey this with you. I want to commit to praying with you. Who can we get alongside and stand shoulder to shoulder with this week? Lots of challenges there this morning, but my heart in this is to say today that God wants us to operate from a place of rest. Something that I'm learning on a day-by-day basis. I don't always get it right. Sometimes I have days and I think I got that all wrong. But from evening to morning, we recognize the goodness of God. We declare who he is. And from that place, we're ready to walk into what he has for us. Let's just spend a few moments in prayer. Today I've spoken a lot about Jesus' love for us. That all he's looking for is an open heart to accept his love. And I'm going to pray a prayer first of all, and then I'm going to pray again after. To offer anyone here the opportunity to ask Jesus to come and be part of their lives. Lord Jesus Christ, I am sorry for the things I have done wrong in my life take a few moments and just ask God to forgive you from anything particularly that's on your conscience right now. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life and be with me forever. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Just while every head is bowed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, just raise your uh, head this morning. Just give me a nod or a, or a wave. Thank you. Thank you. Some people today, it just might be a recommitment and 
we recognize that we just want to make that statement of faith again today. Father God, for each and every person here, Lord, we thank you that today is a new day. That each day is an opportunity to come afresh to you. Father God, help us in our daily and weekly rhythms and patterns that we would put you at the center of everything that we do. That we would be reminded daily of what you have done for us. That before we step into anything, whether that's work or circumstances or whatever it is, Lord, that we would take that moment to say, God, thank you for what you have done. Thank you for who you are. And God, would you open our eyes to see around us those that we need to shoulder to shoulder with. Thank you, God, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I pray that as we walk into our weeks, Lord, that we know we don't go alone because you are with us and you are faithful, you are good. And we want to say that we love you this morning.